0: This is Brett. And this is Sean. And this is Bonus BS.
1: Bonus BS, a supplemental show to Gaming NBS Podcast, where we cover interviews and other such topics not found in our weekly episodes. Enjoy. Let me introduce a weird guy eating ice cream in rain boots. That's what it says on his website. He started his career in RPGs over 20 years ago. He's written for Ex Libris Nocturnus a white wolf web zine fan site started his own company, third eyed games in 2008, which has produced titles like apocalypse prevention, Inc. Woo zing. The ninja crusade, part-time gods, mermaid adventures, Ampere one, and the camp myth, the RPG. He's even had his own podcast. As of March 7, 2017, he has launched a Kickstarter for his new venture. Pip system core book, a system five years in the making Allow us to introduce Aloy LaSanta. Yay, Eloy. Thanks, guys. Well, that did was I a miss, really good <laughs>
2: introduction. Did we, did we miss anything? Um, I've, I've created other games since that intro was written, apparently. So, yeah. Feel
1: free. <laughs> fill in the blanks.
2: Uh, let's see. What else it, have you got? Infestation, of, an RPG of Bugs and Heroes um i don't know if i think i don't know if you mentioned part-time gods but part-time gods oh um,
0: part-time gods that's actually how i got connected with anything you did was because phil and chris were doing part-time gods of fate and i'm like well you know i can support this thing like okay this eloy guy uh, so let's see what eloy's about i'll go I'm, oh whoa this looks pretty damn cool so that's that's how i found <laughs> out who you were so that's pretty cool. Well, awesome
2: uh, and and in the 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 last game i released it was like a little one it was Um, it was a game where I just kind of wanted to sit down and it had been a while since I had just sat down and just wrote a game myself, uh, just from beginning to end. And I wrote it, it's called Sins of the Father, um, which is the latest one that was released last year. So a couple more, but, but it was a really good intro.
1: (laughs) I try, I try really hard. So thanks for joining us, Aloy. We appreciate it.
2: No, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on.
0: So as Sean said, you've we've got a Kickstarter going. We are recording this on March eighth. You have been live now for a day. Yeah. Um, you have done a number of Kickstarters. I think seventeen, if I do my math here right. Um, <laughs> I.e., I'm looking at Kickstarter and it tells me the number, which is good for Brett because Brett sucks at math. Um, so the one of the cool things about uh, Eloy La Santa Third Eye Games Kickstarter is is going to if it's funded, it will produce. Um, We have a a track record of success and so on and so forth within that space, which Sean and I, we're not not as nasty as some people are on the failed Kickstarter perspective, but that irritates the shit out of me when I see something coming in, you know, always late and always thousand excuses, but I got to hand it to you, man, that's not your rep in the Kickstarter world and for game design to have a good rep in Kickstarter. That's, that's not easy to get. So congrats. That's hard to do. Thank
2: you. I mean, and, and it is kind of a, it is kind of a rep thing. It's, I put a lot of pressure on myself to, uh, to produce these kind of things and give realistic, uh, projections on the ETAs and deliveries and whatnot. So, um, if, cause if you don't, like you only takes one wrong step and then you have the entire community going what the hell's wrong with this guy you know so really don't want that to
0: happen so for this one it's pip system and it's the core and so my take on it you gave us some homework so we did some reading on it and uh, I read this and went this is like a super cool what I would call like a universal system. This is my, this is my easier version of GURPS that made me really happy. I read this and (laughs) the stuff you gave me, I'm like, this is really cool. Um, I have kids, my kids love gaming and I've got friends who love gaming that are intimidated by some of the more complicated trad games. And even some of the, you know, as, as Phil lovingly calls them, you know, the hippie small book games. Sometimes that even freaks people out, but you know, so anyway, tell us more about the PIP system. How does this sucker work? So,
2: so I would say that the, the higher level pitch is kind of what you just said. Um, the game was originally designed to be simplistic enough for kids to pick it up and be able to play it. Um, and I had, uh, my first game for using the original PIP system was Mermaid Adventures. Um, I had a lot of kids pick that game up and, You know, some of them were the families were buying it and then running it with their kids as a way to introduce their kids. Um, others were the kids just like the illustrations and then eventually, um, read the book and absorbed it and then they would all play. And then I even had some kids who were running the game for their families. Um, you know, so it's, that's the kind of game that I designed there. Uh, one that was universally applicable to what I call family style RPGs. Um, where everybody, no matter the level of, um, however, everybody, no matter how long you've been role-playing, um, can jump into this game and really, really get it. Um, if you, so the question though, that you said was, um, how does it work? Yeah, so, like
0: the core mechanic, basically. I want to I yeah. know, because from my perspective, if I have a core mechanic that I can grok right out of gate, mm-hmm. I'm good. If there's a side mechanic or a little add-on something, eh, I can either ignore it. But if my core mechanic carries me through 90% of my life, I'm fine. So <laughs> that's what I'm looking for.
2: Exactly. Well, and the core mechanic for this is actually pretty simple. Uh, th- there's a whole lot of other things that can affect it, but when you get down to it, it's, you have, um, a certain number of positive dice and you have a certain number of negative dice. Um, for simplicity, we use black and white in the descriptions and then, you know, the write-ups for the, for the system itself, but it can really be any two colors, red and green, blue and yellow, whatever. Um, but, um, But the positive dice are your character's skills, their special qualities, their special magic abilities, you know, anything that they have, those are gonna end up giving you your pool of positive dice. And then your negative dice is, um, whatever the, um, Whatever the GM tells you is the difficulty for the challenge, or if the opposing person has armor, or, or if they have qualities that make it harder for you to do things, um, and then that becomes your, your black pool. Um, then you take your white pool and your black pool and you roll it together, and you're trying to get more successes, the successes of four, five, or a six, um, on your positive dice than on your negative dice. Um, and that is- and It's th- all
0: play- These are all player-facing die rolls, right? Am I correct? Correct. The, yeah. The, the player- the, the
2: pool is completely
0: in the-
1: Okay.
2: Yeah, the player rolls everything. Um, And um, what that was created to do was to give um, the younger players agency. It wasn't me rolling against them. It was them rolling to see um, whether it was a success or not. Um, So they're kind of in control of what's happening as opposed to me kind of
0: dictating what happens. I've really gotten into the. – I've read Cypher System. I've played Gumshoe for a number of times. I even picked up the Black Hack Little indie d little and game, and that's all player-facing die rolls, too. Mm-hmm. And, but that was one of the things that when I read the information that you gave Sean and I, I went, oh, cool, player-facing dice. Because for me, if nothing else, then it does take away – I'm giving you difficulties – I'm maybe handing you some black dice going, here's two more for you, Aloy. Oh, curses, I've got two more dice. (laughs) But it's still in my hands, you know, because I'm the one rolling them. So then you get to feel like, oh, I botched it. Oh, the gods hate me tonight or whatever the case is. Exactly. That's really cool. That's really cool. Not only
2: that, but uh, from a visual standpoint, when you have a hand, like you have the dice in your hand, you can look at your dice and see your odds um which is actually one of the really cool visual things again that it made it re- makes it really easy for new players and young players to kind of pick up because they say well I have four white dice and I have two black dice that means I have a really good chance of making this or you know if I have four black dice and two white dice and ooh this is going to be a challenge but I could still do it you know and it and it it creates that um the the visual recognition of what your odds are which um is a really really fun thing for the flow of the game.
0: The thing I like about that as well, to me is that I, I joked at the beginning, I suck at math, but even if you're doing math by, you know, you take a, a Savage Worlds game, which is actually pretty fast, fast, mm-hmm. fierce, and fun, as they say, right? But you're still doing some math like, oh, did I expl- Did I ace? Did I explode? Does it do it on this? Does it do it on that? And just, this is like, here's some dice. I'm either adding or subtracting from a die pool. It's visually very simple. How many dice do you have in front of you? Oh, I've got six. Oh, wait, you forgot this black die. Oh, you forgot your white die. That's really fast, easy math that can be done. And I think, um, how do I say this? I think it's not it's not overly simplistic. We're like, oh, it's clearly a kid's game. Brett and Sean would never play this with, with serious gamers. Um, I think there's enough meat to it that you could do. There's a lot of really cool stuff that can be done with this. So. Yeah. The the thing that turned me off if initially when I heard Phil and Chris, I'm like, oh, it's a kid's basing. I've got – my kids can play games. Do they really need this? And then I read what you had, and I started looking through the Kickstarter, and I'm like, I could run this with my grown-up boys and girls gaming group, and we would have a hell of a good time.
2: So, yeah, that's kind of, that's, that's the approach of the, of the new core book, because the, the original games, they were written at a lower level, they were written to be more simplistic, Um but as the years have gone by, we've come out with two other games, Camp Myth, the RPG, and Infestation, an RPG of Bugs and Heroes, and each time that we came out with another game, we changed things, we tweaked things, we added things, um, and even with this newest edition, we've taken that and we've added even more to it now. Um, so it really does make it more of a universal system that you can use to pretty much run anything, uh, which I'm very very proud of.
0: So with the Kickstarter, we have we've got the core book. So if I just go in like and say, hey, you know what, I want 15 bucks. I mean, I get the I get the um, I get the core book. I can do POD print on demand at cost. Great. Um, but then we talk about core books plus settings. So, mm-hmm. what have you got? What have you got planned right now for settings? And kind of what's what's a how do I say this? What's already set for settings, and what's kind of a stretch goal for settings? I'm kind of I'm, I'm interested in that. So,
2: <laughs> so the two settings that we have currently going um, are conversions of the settings that already exist, and that is the one for Mermaid Adventures, um, which we're going to take and we're going to beef up. Um, and then also the one for infestation and RPG of bugs and heroes that we're also going to take and remodel and beef up. Uh, the original versions of those games were both really, really good. But now we're going to be converting them to the, to the new core system as well as, um, just adding more information about the world and about the player options and whatnot. Cause we have had a lot of people who were always wondering about that sort of stuff, um, whenever they would play the game. Uh, so those are the two established settings that are part of the kickstarter from the get-go but we have a number of really awesome settings and and i think that one of the things too i want to point out is when i say settings and i and i'm saying like a meaty setting i'm saying like anywhere from 80 to 120 pages of basically basically another book it's not like Hey, here's five pages on how to run it doing this. Here's five pages to run it doing that.
0: Um <laughs> Yeah, these know, aren't setting, these aren't trope or how do I say it's not genre or um cliche guidelines, if you will, right? It's not like, hey, here's a fantasy thing. No, here's a fantasy setting.
2: Right. It's not okay, a it's not you. necessarily a hack. It is a full blown setting using the core rules. Um so we have a few others. The the first the first new <laughs> setting that's up uh on the chopping block for uh for stretch goals is a kid's guide to monster hunting uh which is actually very heavily inspired by uh monster squad and the goonies and and you know stuff oh, like that <laughs> where you know you're playing kids um but you're going up against these um you know, these huge odds of, you know, going on huge adventures, fighting nasty monsters because, you know, the adults are off doing adult things. So you have to kind of handle it yourself. Um, you know, oh, Stranger Things is actually, that's a very popular show right now. And that would be something you could run very easily using a kid's guide to monster hunting. Uh, so that's just, and that's the first one we have others. Um, Super Sentai, which is going to be like a Power Rangers-esque. Uh, type RPG that we're writing up for it as well. That one's actually like eighty percent done. Um, we actually, I've talked with. Uh, Andy Hop from Mother Oyth Creations um, for his game called Low Life, Rise of the Lowly, and uh, I've actually uh, talked him into letting us uh, license that and create a uh, PIP system version of that game. Um, If you haven't played that game, it's whacked out crazy. It's so
0: fun. I I have seen a number of... I've not played it. I've seen that on the Google Pluses and the Facebook. Gamers like, oh my god, I played Low Life. That was such a great goddamn time. I'm like, what the hell? So I dug in a little bit. I'm like, that just... That seems so weird and crazy I'm like, I have to try that at some point that's got to be that has to be tried That's very cool. is there anything that you have so I'll, I hesitate to say kids because I think your your earlier statement of family friendly right It's that thing that I can I can sit down with a rule system that's easy to grok for everybody in in the house. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be Brett's natural dark and gritty predilections where I'm always like, "Oh my God, there's dead babies and horrible things going on," you know, <laughs> in this world because that would make my daughter cry. I don't want to make my earl cry. But it, like I said though, it feels like something. If I sat Sean and the guys down and said, "Hey, we're going to play this," mm-hmm. um, we could take it. I, I hesitate to say "quote unquote" more adult, but it feels like it's something that I could a uh, rules light fast resolution system I could do a Cthulhu type game with. I could do something um, like a horror or, a, or a, something along those lines. Do you envision that being something that you would take it, or would that be something you would maybe hand to somebody else to do?
2: Um, no, that's definitely somewhere where I want to take it. Uh, there's uh, one of the other settings that I have um, planned for it is called Killing Earth, and it's going to be a post-apocalyptic horror game that I'm going to be using the PIP system to create. Um, because, uh, it's going to be kind of a reflection of this isn't just for kids. And, and it was only, it, like, again, it was originally designed for with kids in mind, but it's become something much bigger and more universal since then. Um, so, and I think that that's kind of the thing is when you say, yes, this is the system that we used for, you know, mermaid adventures, people go, Oh, so it's a kids thing. Um, and yeah. Kids get it, and they understand it, and it's easy for them to play it, but that doesn't make it necessarily only for kids. It's for everybody. That's why I don't say it's a kids' RPG. I say it's a family-style RPG. It's for everybody.
0: Yeah, because if you say... Um, Post-apocalyptic horror. I'm like, yeah, that's that's not something you teach the uh, kindergarten. That one, that's a little <laughs> rough. You know, bugs <laughs> fighting other bugs, or you know, you know, something along those lines. Yeah, mermaids. Yeah, I could see that. But then, hey, kids, let's go over here. In this Mad Max style wasteland. That's a little rough. Pretty a little much. rough for the kids. <laughs> but that that's cool because I. <clears throat> so I guess the. My perspective would be that it's always it's always easy to hear people. Well, it's for kids, but it could be used for this. And I'm like, okay, it, yeah, I can see it could. So when I read it, I'm like, yes, absolutely, it can. It totally makes sense to me based on what you what you've shared with Sean and I. And hearing you say that, yes, Brett, I've already planned to do that type of thing with it and show you and the gaming community at large that, no, dude, we can totally do this. Mm-hmm. If you and your gamer groups, you've got that person who wants to play, you know, <clears throat> this crazy badass woman in a post-apocalyptic world, you can do that with the PIP system. That's that's really cool.
2: And the fun thing about the idea behind having a universal thing, like I come from a background of like riffs and, and stuff like that. So um, the idea of being able to take the PIP system, and, you know, basically being able to make it a universal system so that if you really wanted to, you could play, you know, if you're playing post-apocalyptic thing and somebody says, well, can I be a mermaid? Sure, you can. The rules are the same. Uh, the, the rules are there. You know, you can mix the the, chi- the child monster hunter with the post-apocalyptic survivor with a mermaid with a bug, and it would all work and flow the same way. I mean, they'd have different powers and different abilities, and probably stuff like that. That would be wonky together, but it would be fun. <laughs> and it, but everybody would understand how everything works at least. Um, so, and that's my goal here is to kind of give a number of different um, experiences that people can take. And it's not just you know, it's not just the Pip system just does one thing uh it's the pip system can do this it can do that it can do this and i will i will i will i will happily create as many games as i can for the pip system uh but we did actually also um you know create a licensing framework so that if other people do have <coughs> ideas cool. they can say hey aloy i would like to use the pip system for this type of game what do you think and then i will help them and i'll guide them through it and we can you know let's get that game out um, you know, as many games as we can get out using the pip system, it just makes it just makes it a stronger core system than at that point.
0: One of the things that when Sean Sean read the uh the homework before I did. <laughs> so he gets an A plus, like I get a B. Um and one of the things he came to me and he said, Hey Brett, this sound this is the core mechanic. You just shot it to me in a quick I am. It was like a two sentence instant message over 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 Google. I'm like, well, that's pretty freaking cool. The first thing that hit me was oh it's a die pool. Is there a limit? Because do I have the Shadowrun salad bowl of dice, where I let my <laughs> die pool is, is, is seventy dice? Shuka shuka shuka. All right, we'll be here for a while. I just shot a semi-auto weapon. <laughs> you know, is I mean, so so I, I, I read through it, and if I missed it, I'm a dumbass. But what do you from a, like a die, Just a raw mechanics perspective. Should I be expecting to hold anywhere from three dice in my hand to fifty? Do you? Is there a top end, bottom end? Is um, is there a logical break?
2: I mean basically with with your average uh roll you're probably gonna roll anywhere from three to six dice on your average roll. Um your skills go up from one to five, your qualities go one to five. Um so if you have a maxed out skill and a maxed out quality, then you're looking at ten dice. Um but that's if you're
0: maxed that's out. That's ma- that's manageable though. Ten, yeah, but that's ten if, is if you're manageable. maxed Still, out
2: can... um sometimes your your weapons, your gear um, other things might give you a couple of additional dice, but like, I would say the most anybody would probably roll would be 15 dice of, of positive dice. And then obviously then with whatever the, the challenge dice would be at that point. Um, so, but not 50 that's excessive.
1: Okay, uh, Starting out, <laughs> starting out, you can't have more than four. Huh?
2: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Yeah, see, yeah, see, yeah. That's that's why Sean, gets, that's Sean gets, <laughs> I read, gets the A+. Plus, I, I read this stuff. Hey, up. but Aloy, <laughs> but talking because some people will pick up a role-playing game and they'll want to page mm-hmm. through it. And one of the things that they will base their interest on is the character generation piece, mm-hmm. which I thought was really interesting because you've got literally three steps. Like it's step one, step two, step three, you're done. Mm-hmm. And I think it's unique in how it comes to fruition, right? So do you want to briefly touch? I mean, I could read them, but it'd be like 30 seconds worth of info, (laughs) but right. I mean, step one, you choose an archetype. Step two, you choose the skills and there's a certain amount of points that you you could, you have a point pool of 15 that you allocate Mm -hmm. to your skills and then qualities of 10 points. And then you have step three for random charts, which I think is really, I think is really cool. Because that gets into even more of the game itself. Do you want to highlight just character generation and you know in, in brief?
2: Yeah, totally. Um so with uh so the archetypes are kind of you know the building block like the conceptual thing that you're picking. Um and the core book actually gives you quite a few. I think we give like 15 or so. Um, and we give anything from politician to sleuth to noble to warrior, uh, performer, magic user, you know, things, things that are just like, you know, I want somebody who can use magic. Well, then pick magic user, uh, you know, very broad. Um, and what those do is they give you a certain number of starting skills and they give you a special ability and they give you a hindrance. Um, and then they, they also dictate how much physical health you have ver- and versus how much mental health that you have. Um, and that's like, that's the first thing. Now, in the core book, it's got more general things, but in books like, um, like a kid's guide to monster hunting, your archetype is the type of kid that you'll be. So you'll pick, you know, the bully kid, the leader, the class clown, the little kid. You know, you'll pick from those archetypes versus, um, you know, ones from the core book. Um, in mermaid adventures, you pick from different merfolk types. So shark folk, eel folk, you know, stuff like that. And those are your archetypes. Um, so and what that does is that immediately like you pick your archetype and that's like that's a lot of it right there, just conceptually for your character. Then you go on to your skills and qualities, and there are uh I believe 14 skills. I'm trying to remember now off the top of my head. I believe there are 14 skills, and um you get uh a certain number of points, I believe it's fifteen to spend um just on your skills, and then you get uh ten points to spend on skill qualities, um, gear qualities and advanced qualities. Um, so qualities are basically like specialties of what you can do with a certain skill. So for instance, if you had aim, uh, which is your ranged weapons, your ranged, uh, combat skill, uh, you could take, you know, a few, a few levels in that, a few ranks in aim, and then you could take a quality of pistols, so anytime you're using a pistol, you would get that extra those extra dice from that quality. Um, so I mean and it's, it's really that simple. like it's pretty easy. Uh, and then, um, then you have things like um, again, so you have quality of skill qualities. You also have um, advanced qualities which are kind of like um, higher level. Um, they're actually kind of akin to the special abilities that you would get with an archetype. Uh, So you might get something like you were born magical, so you get um, extra spells if you're a magic user. Um, You can get one for a hideout that gives you a special place where you can train and do fun stuff. Um, You know, So you can get one that you're rich, which is uh, one of my favorite ones. So there's those sorts of things. Um, Then there are um, gear qualities, and that's like you have a favorite weapon, you have a cool suit of armor, you have a tricked-out vehicle... Uh, you might have a companion like a pet or a butler, you know, like you could have, I mean, there's so many different things that you can kind of, you know, grab and kind of play with in the system. Um, it really gives you a lot to, to work with.
0: Then... So is a Oh, sorry, then, go, ahead. go ahead. Go, go, go. No, no, go no, ahead. I was, no. no. I was, I was, I was going to ask you, when it comes to archetypes, the one thing that part of... Part of my head goes, oh classes! Why do we always have to have classes and archives? How come it can't be this open, this list of stuff? And then the other part of me goes, because that's hard to do as far as like getting people into it. It just it takes longer to make a character. So I was curious, as a game designer, do you find that people re- are responding really well to the archetype slash classes slash you know predefined box, if you will? Like, hey, I'm a I'm a I'm a warrior. I'm a woodsman. Right. I am a magician. I'm a scholar. Do people – are you finding that your fans, that people like your stuff and, and other – is that – did you do that because that's what the people want or because – you know what I'm
2: saying? I did Maybe it. that's I did a horrible it.
0: question. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was well-worded. Um, no, so uh, I do it partially because of kind of what you said where um, it kind of makes the flow quicker. Um, it also kind of gives uh, everybody like a starting point. Uh, When we're when we're talking about games, the the other settings that are really kind of, you know, spot on and specific, like if I say the the archetypes are the type of merfolk that you are, and you go shark folk, cool, I now understand that that means I am half shark. I got it. Yes. and, And it's like that. So but for this kind of thing, like if you pick the archetype of warrior, for instance, if you were playing in a fantasy setting, that might mean that you are a fighter. Um, if you're playing in a modern setting, that might mean that you're a boxer or bodyguard of some sort. Um, you know, so it, like you can kind of, you can morph it to kind of become whatever, um, you know, you need it to be within the context of the game that you're running. And that, that's how kind of they were written. They were written to be a little bit more universal and flexible and within the core book. But for the actual settings, it makes it a little bit more targeted. Um, and to... And basically, because they are such an integral part to the settings, we need it to definitely represent that in the core book as well. Um, so because we want it to make sense to flow exactly the same
0: way. Yeah, well, it totally makes sense.
1: Aloy, like just to point out an example, I wanted to kind of look at this because of what Brett was mentioning. And you take the archetype, uh, say, for example, if you pick fighter, you could still pick born magical in the advanced qualities, right? There's right. some, there's some prerequisites that you have to meet, which may be a little bit harder with some of those archetypes. So if you pick wizard, you probably hit magic a little bit easier. Cause I think you get two points of magic right. and born magic requires four, but that's not to say that you can't pick magic skill, pump that up and then choose to be born magical as part of the advanced quality. Is that, is that, do I have that? No, no,
2: no, you're totally right. Yeah. Um, The same way as you could pick magic user as your archetype and then take something like, you know, dual wielder, you know, like, you know, I'm a, I'm, you know, I'm a magic user, but I also, you know, fight with two swords because I'm awesome,
1: you know. (laughs) Right. Yeah. No, I think that allows a lot of flexibility in the system, which is what you're getting at is great. Yeah.
0: No, because sometimes the archetype or class is like, oh, I'm a fighter. Therefore, I'm in a, a very high walled concrete box. What I'm hearing here is I have a dotted line around me that I can reach out and pull other things into. I can grow oh, that yeah. box as I need to, which is a lot more entertaining to me than – than, <clears throat> especially at this level. When you're talking about people, something that's easy, universal, this um, concept, especially I – could, I could grab anybody. We could say, well, I want to play it in. You know this type um, a fantasy setting, but I want to be kind of like a warrior, fighter, wizard. I really like this. Can I do that? Yes, you can. Just follow this path, and there you're a cross class. You're a warrior. You're a fighter mage. You can do that, <laughs> and it's it's not that difficult to do because the system allows you to figure out how to do that and then make it happen. So that's nice. I like that.
1: So yeah. we didn't get we didn't like get that. all the way through character generation. So step <laughs> three, brats. <laughs> sorry, so- sorry. I'll shut up.
2: I was still technically kind of in step two, um, just mostly because I just wanted to just highlight how many different choices there are um, with your gear qualities. Because uh, I did mention weapons, um, armor, companions uh, and vehicles. There's also tools, there's also traps. So if you wanted to be like um, that super awesome warrior, then you could give yourself also, you know, uh, you could give yourself like a sword. Uh, there's a couple of, we even give examples in the book because we want to make sure that everybody understands how to build, you know, these cool weapons and and equipment and stuff. Uh, but you could have a a short sword of justice like in the book, um, which, which gets the holy quality, um, which means it does extra damage against, uh, evil or undead characters, you know? So like, that's a really cool thing right there. Um, so you can use not only the skill qualities, but also all of these different gears, the things that your character has um, helps to kind of help define them as well, um, which I really really like. Um, step three though <laughs> is um, random charts, which because I'm a fan of random charts myself, um, it's it's kind of a thing that I started again with with Mermaid Adventures. It was the first game, um, but we started with, um, hey, you get to roll randomly to see what your mermaid looks like. Like, do you have you know, red pigtails and claws and shiny rainbow fins, or, you know, whatever. Uh, I would have um, players uh, who would buy the book and then ju- would just spend all night making random characters. Uh, which is so fun to hear. Um, I, like, I had parents who were like, we didn't even actually get to play because they just wanted to make a bunch of characters. <laughs> so we'll play tomorrow. Awesome. Like, you know, we'll send you stuff. Um, so, like, it's really fun. And it, I, and I've always enjoyed that sort of thing anyway. Um, so what we've done is we've kind of split it up into, um, four different, uh, settings. We've set it up as modern. Uh, sci-fi, fantasy, and uh, spooky. Uh, So if you wanted to have kind of a horror-ish kind of thing. So what you do is you kind of roll randomly on a few charts. It'll give you some fun items or maybe like a cool um, contact that you might have or an appearance. It basically just gives you a couple of things to kind of incorporate into your character that helps you kind of, again, define kind of who that character is. Um, But I always found that it's more fun to... Mess around with randomness than to just pick everything yourself.
1: Yeah, that's good stuff. No. And then you have you have the other charts piece, which I thought was even more intriguing.
2: Yes, yes, that part too. Uh, because, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. we we worked so much on this. Um, so then there's the the character connection chart um, that allows you to kind of roll and see what your relationships are to some of the characters in the group, um, which is fun. So you might roll and you might roll that your siblings or that one of you owes the other one a, a favor or, you know, you're married or, you right. know, stuff like that.
1: And then there's um, the, ba- so the backgrounds is included mm-hmm. in that switch. So, so even when you get into, well, and then the, the past, present and future components
0: mm-hmm.
1: was pretty cool. Cause you're, so the past, you roll a die, which is white, and those are typically positive, uh, maybe, right? Maybe not. <laughs> and then you have the black die, and then you combine the results of those two to make mm-hmm. a multitude of combinations. So if you have six results of white and six combi- or six results of black, and you intermix those, what is that? 36 different combinations, right? I guess that's
2: 36, yeah. Is
1: that my, is that my math doing that right? <laughs> But they so form, that, and they form a statement <laughs> when you put them together. And,
2: exactly. And we have the past, present, future kind of set up there. So, like, if you rolled a three and a four, then you'd have you got into trouble and the consequences still follow you, uh, but you aim to fix things. You know, so it kind of gives you kind of a place from where you're at. Um, it gives you a place from where you came from, and then you roll for the present to see where you're at, and then you have kind of a future one that you can roll to see where you're uh, going. And obviously, those are all optional things. Um, actually, honestly, all of the random charts are optional. You know, you don't have to do them, but they just make it so much more fun to make a character uh, using these sorts of like, you know, cool little random things that you're like, ooh, I can incorporate that into my character now.
0: You know the it, other cool thing I liked about the caregen is when I read it. Is sorry, Sean, I'm stepping on you. Right. Just sit down, sit down. I'm talking.
1: <laughs> Go ahead, Brett.
0: <laughs> is that it's it's fast. I don't I don't see this. I can see sitting down. With um, Sean and I and a group of gamers as adults or even with my kids or something, and we can crank out some characters pretty damn quick. It's not difficult. There's not a lot. Them. Yeah, there's some charts and some randomness to it, but it's not like this huge, this is going to be a multiple hour, how do I pick the right feats and skills and map everything back and forth? This is going to be pretty quick. We can sit down, make characters, and be playing same night. That's how I see it. Yeah, that's, that's very intriguing to me.
2: I run a, actually, I run a lot of my, uh, my, uh, Gen Con sessions whenever I run, whenever I run anything pip system at the convention, a lot of the time, you know, if we have time, obviously, um, I'll just sit down with the players and we'll just make characters right there. Um, cause it just, it gives them more, uh, it, it because it's the kind of game where it doesn't take a long time to do, so it doesn't impede on the rest of the session. You know, if you block four hours, you can take 15 minutes and make characters real quick. And then you still have three hours and 45 minutes to actually play, you know? So
0: nice.
1: One thing right, I want, Sean, I
0: stepped on. Yeah. your turn. Yeah,
1: No, one thing I wanted to <laughs> mention too, with the characters. So you have physical health and mental health. Yes. As, and, and I thought it was interesting where, um, there's a part of mental health that you can, I think kind of, you heal yourself. I don't know. Are you know what I'm getting at, Aloy? where you're grunting. Is it the pain piece? Right. So if you grunt, you can, I believe like if you yell out something out of pain, you can recover to physical health or to mental health. If I'm not mistaken.
2: There's that one, the anger management. Yes. Yes. Anger (laughs) management. That's what it is. Yeah. Yes. So there, yeah, there's the anger management. Um, Basically we have a whole healing section um, in the book. Of just different ways that you might be able to heal, like magic or getting yourself bandaged, getting real medical treatment, taking a nap, meditation, you know, stuff like that. Um, but one of them is anger management. And, um, it's basically just like if you are taking mental damage, and mental damage is like you're getting confused, um, you are getting, um, frustrated with stuff. Um, people are making, you know, if they're making fun of you, uh, or like if you're, you know, uh, hurting, you're hurting socially, you're gonna take mental damage from that. And basically, the the anger management way of healing is just like you just let out a rage filled scream, um, and you heal two
1: points. So <laughs> it's um, I read that am obviously... like, yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like, oh, you yell out in rage, like. I'm good now. <laughs>
0: I'm better. It's all good. I'm good. I got two. I got two. I got two back. We can go back in, go back in, go back in. Guys. I don't, right. I can't Wait, tell you, I screen. cannot
1: tell you how that mimics real life. Aloy. like that is exactly. just amazing. Exactly.
2: I've, I've had to do that every so often as well. I mean, right? but it's, it's, it, it is because, and it is a fun thing because other games don't really have that as an aspect of, <laughs> of healing. They don't be, you know, cause it it's mentally cathartic. To sometimes just like, just yell, you know, and just get it out.
0: And I do like the, the other one is soaking bath. That's another good one too. Oh the yeah. long yeah. soak in a tub or hot springs can soothe even the sorest of muscles. That's that. I rather went, Oh, that's pretty cool. I like that.
1: That's, Brett can relate to that. Cause that's how he. A little bit. That's, he how, that's how I'm,
0: that's how I'm <laughs> Yeah.
1: A little Epsom sauce, a so little bubble bath. And Brett's like it. a new, new guy.
0: So the other thing, Lloyd, that I really like about this, and that I liked about uh, Part Time Gods and such, is the there's the focus on the role playing aspect of it. Uh, you know, we all joke it's R O L E, not R O L L. Ha ha ha! But everything within <laughs> the game is built. You know, Game Master can say, "Wow, that that was really well described." Here, there's it's in there. It's it's specifically called out that hey, you can add, subtract dice, and and do these things based on role-playing situations, right. you know, and that, that I think is really important. It's not just like, Oh yeah, you could do this thing, move on. Everything that you gave us to read through, it was littered throughout it. You know, even those things like, yo, know, cathartic yelling and that type of thing, that's just, it just screams this great role-playing, you know, you know, here's, here's your ticket, go role-play this thing. This is really cool. Can I bother you? No, I'm in a bath. Piss off. I'm going to go take a bath. <laughs> what happened to the mage? He's taking a bath. There's nothing he can do about it. Leave, you know, Magnus the Mighty. He, she's off there. She's taking a bath. He's over there relaxing in an easy chair. Nothing he can do about it. And the mages are taking a rest. You know, that just screams role-playing ideas to me. And that was one of the, the things that really captured me when I read it. So that was really good work.
2: Well, thank you for that. I mean, it's it's kind of the way that I like to write my role-playing games. Like some some people, you know, they they like games where there is, you know, a lot of number crunching and, you know, a lot of, like, you can do this, you cannot do that. Um, Whereas I like mine to be more, you can do that, but is that something you want to do? You know, it's like why do you want to do that? You know, it, it make you know kind of ask those questions and kind of give uh, you a better framework to kind of understand the character as opposed to like knowing the powers and a list of equipment and stuff like that. You know, everything that you select for a uh, a pip system character should reflect that character. Again, even like if you pick that sword, like you spent points on that sword, so there has to be a reason for your character to have wanted that sword. Uh to be part of the build, you know, so if you have a sword the the sword of justice that does damage to undead and stuff, well, then let's build that into the character. Let's see what we can do with that. You know, then you just told me what you want to be doing with that character is you want to be going and fighting undead and evil things, you know otherwise yeah. why would you, why would you pick that sword otherwise, <laughs> you know. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and any game master worth his or her salt is going to see that. And go, oh, I better have a couple of skeletons and a zombie or two in here because uh, we got we got an undead killing team. Let's go! You know, we got, that's what we're here for. All right. Yeah, that would be like the
2: worst GM ever if it was just like, you know, it's like you have a sword of fighting the unholy. Well, you're gonna go to the land of the fairies now. Is there anything undead there? No. Nothing. No,
0: no. Happy goblins, lots of happy goblins drinking tea. Great, great, great. Social encounters all day long, you bastard. That's what that would be. <laughs> Sean, do you have any do you have any do you have any more questions for him? You no, know, I just
1: have to, I just have to say though, when I'm looking at a lot of the details like the gear and the and the properties of the gear, like armor you have, the different, you know, it's a it could be adaptive, biological, bulletproof, and then you have what that means mechanically, right? And mm-hmm. then I look at like the character archetypes and the skills and the backgrounds and the connections. The one thing that really kind of hits home with me, Aloy is You know, you could almost, I mean, you know, given your open license or your open to licensing it Mm
0: -hmm. is,
1: is the, I mean, I could see somebody sitting down and skinning this really well into like, Hey, I'm going to do a sci-fi version or skin that, you know, for lack of better words, the fiasco play sets, right. You have the core Mm -hmm. rules. So, Hey, I'm going to do science fiction. So I'm going to pick, and implement my own archetypes or even maybe they're special races that
2: fit. Right. Archetype. If it's a sci-fi game, right. yeah, it could be like a species kind of thing, alien right. species.
1: Yes. And then that, but you could still use all the role, all the properties of the core system to be able to translate that very easily. Like you don't have to come up with and reinvent the wheel with your system. Now, other people may say the same thing with other systems, but mm-hmm. I don't see that that translates Really well, at, at, I guess some could argue yes or no, but I think yours does uh, <laughs> could is really aligns well with that, my, my opinion.
2: Well, thank you. Uh, you know, one of the things I've actually done two uh, games where I have translated a game that I wrote originally over to another system. We've done it. We did it once with um, API Apocalypse Prevention Inc. and we translated it over to uh, Savage Worlds. And we also did part time gods over into part time gods of fate, converting it to fake core. Um, in both of those, we, I mean, it took a long time to get it right and to balance things and to make it really fit, not only to fit the new system, but then to also make sure that it still felt like the original game. Um, because I think that's also, you know, those, those, those systems specifically, they do a certain thing. Um, and you don't want to lose the game with, within the system. Uh, and what I've tried to do here with PIP, with the PIP system is really just try to give as universal a set of rules as you can so that you really can do just about anything with it. Um, and that's the hope. Like, I'm, it, it you know, uh, and again, that's why the book has a bunch of different play styles in it and here's how you would run it for this or for that or for this. Um, and I'm coming out with a bunch of different setting books, so I'll show you that you can run it in a bunch of different ways. Uh, so it is one of those things that, um, again, it's like, you might just say, well, why don't, you know, why do I need another, you know, universal system, (laughs) you know? Um, and I'm sure some people will say that, but I will say that, um, you know, if you were going to add another, this one would be the one, like it's, it's really, really good. And obviously my opinion is biased there. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, I'll tell you, man, I've, I've been doing this since I'm 40. I'll be 44 pretty soon. I've been doing this in third grade. And of the number of universal systems, Red, GURPS, um, Hero System, all these other ones that have purported to be sex. This is the most elegant one I've seen. It is it is simple. It is fast. Um, now, guys, Sean and I haven't seen, like, all the final blah, blah, blah. But just what, what Eloy gave us to read through, I'm like, this is really – this is so on point, man. I mean, congratulations. I mean, I'm dead serious. This thing is elegant. And it flows, and I don't see why you wouldn't want to have this. I mean, you look at the Kickstarter and like for 15 bucks, you get the PDF of the game. Come on. It, it's, I mean, just, just to pimp that for you one more time. I mean, at $15, <laughs> you get the game for God's sakes. It's the core system. I like Cypher. I like some of these other universals, but I'll tell you, man, this thing is, it's fast. It's easy. Um, and unless it plays like a brick, which I can't see it doing, this is this is going to be a game that you're going to want to pull out. I mean, this is something that it's it's going to be fast. If you make characters in a fly. You can venture immediately that night, and it can. I don't see why it couldn't do everything. Aloy is saying this is really well done. So, congrats, man. This is nice.
1: So, thank Aloy, you. you've got the Kickstarter. So, what, mm-hmm. what you know, what is you know the game? You've provided us some some insight into a lot of pieces of the game. So, thank you mm-hmm. for that. But so I mean this thing is almost fully baked. So what what is it that you need money for for the Kickstarter besides obviously producing it? How far is that along and and what are you looking at as far as a lot of that funding going towards?
2: Okay. So the initial funding goal is is 3000. And that's basically for me to pay the writers for what they've written. We had an amazing team of uh of of game designers who really like cranked this out and made it amazing. Um, so we have that, and then uh, we have then the basically two, that's a, that's about two grand to pay everybody, and then there's about a thousand dollars that we need in additional art. Um, I've been able to get some of the art uh, out of my own, you know out of my pocket you know out of you know Third Eye Games stores uh, of of wealth that we have here. Uh, so, <laughs> but we but we, you know we've gotten a bunch of the art already, but we need about another thousand dollars worth of art. Um, and then then it's pretty much done. Like, that's actually the fun part about this is I, I put a lot of effort into it right up front uh, so that we could have it near completion um, when we launched the Kickstarter. So, like, I would say when the Kickstarter ends, I would say maybe a month before the PDF will be ready. Um, you know, as opposed to waiting a year or whatever, um, like it'll be really, really fast, uh, because I, we've already done a lot of the work at this
0: point. That's one thing Sean and I've talked about, I think on the mics as well as plenty of times off the mics is like, God damn it. If you're on a Kickstarter, you should be pretty close. I mean, especially when you're talking (laughs) games, it just, it really, it helps me as a potential backer go, Oh, you're that close. Wow. All right, then that's worth my fifteen. You know what? Maybe I'll bump it up to forty-five or something because it's right there. Now, I'm not thinking that I'm going to give you X number of dollars and maybe I'll see it in a year. No, it's like <laughs> it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Not only do we have the history of success, but we also have the fact that it's damn near done right now. So that is right. really, really cool. That's that says a lot.
2: And and with that fifteen, see the the way that I structured this Kickstarter too, um, I structured it slightly different um than I have my Kickstarters in the past where um, you know, I've had PDFs and I've had physical copies available and whatnot. For this Kickstarter, I wanted to try something different. Um and it actually in an effort to take a lot of the pressure off of myself and of the um and of the backers. So the tiers themselves are really just for the PDFs. You either get the core book PDF or you get the quarter port the or you get the core book PDF and one setting, or the core book PDF, and two settings. Like, and if we, when we start unlocking some of the other settings, I'll add more tiers for three settings and whatnot. <laughs> um, but the, the cool thing about it is that um, what you get is you get the PDF, and then through DriveThruRPG, um, which is where, where I'm partnering, you'll get a code that says you can also get the print book for cost. Uh, so, and we're going to have a soft cover and a hard cover version available, which means you get to choose which one you want then at that point. Um, and depending upon which one you pick, you know, it'll cost you anywhere from five to $10 additional. Like it's not even going to be that much and then shipping. Um, so, you know, for 15, you get in and then after the Kickstarter is over, if you like the PDF and you like what you read, then you can go ahead and get the book at cost. Like, it seems like it's a perfect setup. Um, and also what that does is again, that takes a lot of the fulfillment and me having to pack up boxes and, you know, do a ton of stuff in my, in my office. Um, that takes that off of my shoulders and then I can start focusing on really getting the rest of the, the setting materials and, and, you know, the next expansions and stuff
1: all out.
0: Absolutely. That makes sense. Cool.
1: Sean, you got anything else, man? Man, no, I can just say I, I'm excited to get my hands on this thing and really start to dig into it because I've got some things going through my brain. And I would love to uh, start getting some stuff out on the table. Aloy, thanks so much for producing this.
2: No, thank you. Thank you for um, being so excited about it. I, You know, it's it's one thing. It's I I do a lot of games, and I like my games to kind of speak for themselves. So... You know, even if I'm not necessarily the best marketer, um, you know, to get to get it into people's hands, the moment people get it in their hands and they read it, you know, usually people love it. Um, So I'm glad you guys are kind of the example right there of, you know, it's like I hand you a game and you guys are like, this is really awesome. And I'm like, yes, that's what I want. That's the response. I wanted." (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, I tell you, like to as Sean said, I read it and I went, I've got ideas, I want to run this game, I want this at my table, so I'm gonna back it because I need I need to have this at my table. Right. That's just a fact, right? Whether it does this become, you know, and honestly, does it become the go to game for everything? Maybe not. That's okay though. It's one more thing that I know. That's going to work, right? I want to have this at the table. I think there's a lot that we can do with this thing. So this is really cool.
1: I'm going to use it for everything, Aloy. I don't know what the hell Brett's talking about. (laughs) Screw that guy, man. You you lying
0: Camp, (laughs) Camp Aloy.
1: I love Aloy, and I love PIP system. (laughs) Wow. Aloy, you've been with us for a little while now. We appreciate you coming on the show. Where do people, obviously the Kickstarter, we'll have a link in the show notes so people can go there and get get nuts. Um, Otherwise, where else can they find you online and and interact with you and ask questions and do all kinds of stuff?
2: Um, I would say you can go to thirdeyegames.net. We actually just updated the website this year, so we have a nice new sprinkling I spank a new website. <laughs> I don't know what's, I don't know what spanking is. Um, I, I it must be it's, that it's, game it's designer talk,
0: the game designer yeah. lingo. I just assumed it's some hippie game designer. I don't know shit about that. All right. I don't know. Look that up. I'm going to start using that
1: though, Brad. I'd urban dictionary
0: it. that, but I'm a little afraid of what I'll get. <laughs> oh Care God. On. Sprinkin, um, sprinkin
1: new episode coming to you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but yeah, so you Sorry. can go to third eye games. Dot, net hit.com. It'll just transfer you. Um, I'm at uh, Twitter at, at third eye games, um, Facebook. Slash Third Eye Games. Uh, pretty much, just type in Third Eye Games in, in somewhere. Type in Third Eye Games on your computer somewhere, and you'll find me. I'm um, pretty easy. I'm also pretty responsive when it comes to Kickstarter comments and questions. Um, you know, I like to. I, I am a. I am a consumer myself, so I like to make sure that people understand what it is that they're getting. Um, so if if anybody has any questions, don't hesitate to ask them. I will answer them.
0: Perfect. Excellent. I think we're good, man. That'll work out.
1: Yeah, that'll work. We'll, we'll make that happen. Yeah, we'll just leave it at that. Yeah, whatever.
0: Yeah. Awesome. All right, guys, that was a lot of fun.
2: I want to come on your guys' show.